think somewhere along the sermon you're going to hear that bridge in that song um, rest to kind of in your head so just keep that in mind this morning we're turning to first Samuel if you have your Bibles go ahead and turn there to the first chapter we are going to finish up this sermon series living well in a broken world today and we're going to look at uh, the latter part of this chapter one as we have looked at Ruth and we've looked at 1 Samuel, we've been kind of taken back to about 1100 BC. We've been introduced in 1 Samuel with um, Elkanah and his wife Hannah, uh, Peninnah, his other wife, and Eli thus far. And if you remember, maybe two weeks ago when I preached on 1 Samuel, you may have remembered the last verse, or at least remember what the message of the last verse I preached, which was verse 20. It's not on the screen. It came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel. And that's how we finished with the text two weeks ago. Today, we're going to pick up with verse 21, and we're going to look at the verses from 21 to the end of the chapter, uh, verse 28. And I am not going to read those up front. I'm actually going to read them as we go along and make the points of each of the, the sections of verses as we go along. Uh, but first, I want to pray. So let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds for what you would hold for us through this, your holy word, and we pray this in your holy name. Amen. And so picking up with verse 21, Elkanah's faithfulness. Elkanah's faithfulness. And so verse 21 and the first part of verse 22, listen to what... It says in 1 Samuel 1, Then the man Elkanah went up with all of his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up. So I want to stop right there for a minute. And Hannah did not go up. So verse 21 kind of beckons us back to verse 3 of chapter 1. Verse 3 says, Now this man would go up to his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. He took his whole family. It's believed, as I told you as we were starting 1 Samuel, that yes, the Jews would go to Shiloh at this time where the Ark of the Covenant, the Tent of Meeting was, the tabernacle was set up, and they would go and worship at least three times a year, those designated times. But it's believed that Elkanah would take his family and he would take his sacrifice and he would go up to Shiloh and offer sacrifice again at some point during the year. And so... We have that context in verse 3, and here again, after Samuel is born, we have verse 20 that tells us Samuel is born, and now Elkanah in his faithfulness goes again with his household 
his annual trek to Shiloh to give his sacrifice and worship to the Lord. Now before, when it says his whole family has gone with him, this is when Hannah would go too. And we know from the story that we have already read and we've already studied and preached on that it is there that Peninnah would berate her and provoke her and chastise her for not giving, being able to give Elkanah, her husband, a child. And so she had to deal with this pain over and over again annually from Elkanah, her husband's other wife. But this time, she didn't go. Verse 20 tells us, or verse 9 through 20 tells us that she had asked God for a child. She had prayed that God would give her a child. And if she would do that, she vowed that she would give the child back to God. Interestingly enough, as Eli comes on the scene, if you remember, Eli hears her praying and he thinks that she's been drinking. And she says, no, I'm just making petition to my God, to my Lord. He has no idea what she's asked for. No idea. But he says, may God answer your prayer. And so we come to verse 22, and she has now had the son, and you would think that maybe that she would go with him this time, but the pattern's broken. The pattern of her going is not there. Not right now. And so Maybe because the pattern of her being chastised and provoked by Peninnah, now she has a child and there's no ammunition. God's given her a child, and so there's nothing there for her to be provoked about. Um, is that why she's not going? Or, or is it that God has given her the gift, and so now the gift is more important than her worship? that has been all along her, her glory to God, that she would go with her husband to give worship and sacrifice? I don't think so. In fact, the scripture tells us that's not so. In fact, it's opposite. She is not staying back for some selfish reason. She is staying back because she has intentions to fulfill her vow. Look at Hannah's intention in verse 22. Verse 22 says, But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Now I want you to listen to what she says. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. And stay there forever. 
Hannah is not staying home because she has forgotten her vow. She is not staying home because this is more important to her to have her son now that she so dearly wanted, so dearly asked for. No, she is staying home in honor to honor God. She is not staying home to neglect her sacrifice with her family. She is staying home to prepare her sacrifice to her Lord. Hannah wants to keep her vow. You remember the vow, right? Verse 11 in the first chapter. She says, She made a vow and said to the Lord of hosts, If you will indeed look on my affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, I will give your maidservant, and give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all of his days, and a razor shall never come upon his head. She had asked the Lord. Eli had blessed that petition, and the Lord showed favor that this barren woman would give birth to a son, and she would name him Samuel. And so... What Hannah is telling her husband is, look, I plan to fulfill, fulfill the vow, but I'm not going up right now with you because the child needs to be fed. It needs to be weaned before he can be given to the Lord. And why, would not, why wouldn't that be the case? Can you imagine that Hannah went with her husband, and Eli's there, and she says, here you go. Here's the baby. Here's the diaper bag, and here's the formula, and, and you just take care of it. I mean, I'm fulfilling my promise here. Here's my baby. No, she didn't do that. Um, she was willing to take care of the child. Do you know how long? Typically, in the ancient time, I don't know what it is today of, how women that are nursing their newborns, uh, how long that usually lasts. But in this time, three years. Three years that she would raise this boy named Samuel that God had given her. That she would bring him to a point where he was weaned. And then she would answer that vow she would take him to the Lord it is interesting in verse 22 there's a phrase there that maybe you could underline that he may appear before the Lord that's the NASB other versions say that he may appear in the presence of the Lord that phrase is interesting because it comes from the law of Moses. And it was recited as those male priests that would go to the tent of meeting every three, those three times of year and they would present themselves in the presence of the Lord. Isn't it interesting that that phrase is used here for Samuel that he, Samuel, may appear in the presence of the Lord. 
And it was expected that all of those priests who the law of Moses would say that they would go to the tent of meeting and present themselves in the presence of the Lord, that they would fulfill their duties, that they would fulfill all that was expected of them to the Lord. And this same phrase is attributed to a baby named Samuel. Elkanah encourages his wife in verse 23. Verse 23 says, Elkanah, uh, her husband, said to her, Do whatever seems best for you. Remain until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Elkanah is saying, okay, honey, I, I got it. Go ahead, you stay here. The rest of us, the family will go and give our sacrifice to the Lord as we do annually. But, but you stay here, I understand. But then he says this, but, but remember, remember the Lord's where he says, only may the Lord confirm his word. Remember the vow that you have made, honey. Re remember, yes, you can stay these three years, but we're going to live into the vow that you made. And, and think about this encouraging statement of Elkanah to Hannah. He is realizing as a husband, and, and think about this, he's not only a husband, he's a father. This is his son. And, and he is saying to her, I understand this is your only, your only son. I, I understand it's going to be hard for you to live into this vow after keeping this son with you and, and nursing him and having him grow, holding him in your arms. This is going to be difficult, Hannah. But I will agree to this, but you're going to remember your vow. We're going to remember our vow. Isn't it interesting that we, we see in verse 21, Elkanah went up with his whole household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. A lot of commentators believe that this is just happenstance. It's just something that's been a part of the text. But nowhere else is this used until after Hannah has made a vow to the Lord to give Samuel. Could it possibly be? Could it possibly be that she told her husband all that had taken place? all that she had asked for, the vow that she had made. And here the Lord blesses her and she has a son and he realizes this is a son that God has given us and this vow is now upon us, not just Hannah, though Hannah is faithful as we will see. But Elkanah is faithful also. He is going up and making his yearly sacrifice, and he is going to remember the vow that they have now made 
to the Lord together. He is ready to go up to Shiloh, to the tent of meeting, where the Ark of the Covenant is, where the presence of the Lord dwells, to offer sacrifice, to give thanks. This is a man that is showing his integrity and is showing his commitment to the God of Israel. And he and his wife are going to keep their focus. He is not only going to live into it, but he is also challenging his wife to live into this vow together. Men, how often do we encourage our spouses? How often do we lift them up? How often do we come alongside of them in what needs to be done instead of saying, you do it, not me? How often do we encourage those that God has given us? And so now we come to these last few verses, and it's Hannah's faithfulness. I don't know, there certainly are you mothers in the room that have had children, and if you could just picture, maybe get in your mind, how you have had a child for three years, you've held that child, you've nursed that child, he is now a toddler, and now you have to give that child up forever, forever. Listen to Hannah's faithfulness, beginning with verse 24. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three jugs of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. She said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord as long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. And he, being Samuel, he worshipped the Lord there. Now Samuel, as I said, remember in verse 17, he had no idea what Hannah was praying for. But he did offer blessing on her. And for her petition, asking God to grant it. And God did. In his economy, in his plan, Samuel was a part of this plan. Of course, Elkanah and Hannah did not know that prior to the request. But the vow has been made. And the vow is being fulfilled. There is absolutely clear display of Hannah's faithfulness here to the Lord, unquestionable, indisputable, undeniable that she is a woman of faith. She is not making a loan to God. Oh, here, God, you can take him for a little bit, but I'll take him back. It's not like a, a, a library book. Well, God, you can check him out for a little bit, but I'm coming back for him. That is not what she 
is saying. She vows to give her son to the Lord. And she vows that it's forever. Forever. All of the days of his life. And the chapter ends with this reference that is so wonderful to hear. And he, the boy Samuel, he worshipped the Lord there. That one line tells us a little bit about Samuel, about the faith that he would grow up to have in the Lord, his Lord, this man that God has received the faithfulness of Elkanah and Hannah to give back that which the Lord had given them. What about us, church? How are we living in faithfulness to God? Maybe the more basic question here would be, is that important? Is what God is giving us in this passage important for us to hear or understand, to see that Hannah and Elkanah have given their child back to God? Does it have any meaning for us today? Is it just simply that we are seeing the faithfulness of two individuals to live into their vow that God has given them this son and now they are giving this child back. Well, certainly that makes some sense of it. She has fulfilled the vow. She is a woman of faithfulness. He is a man of integrity and faithfulness. And it does set up a wonderful example for us. But I also think the faithfulness goes deeper than just a story of Elkanah and Hannah and Eli and Samuel. We find a woman giving back to God what God has given to her. A woman giving back to God what belongs to God. And that's important to understand because after the first chapter and the first few verses of chapter 2, what we see in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel is just the opposite. We, we see through these texts that follow that Eli and his sons, well, they treat the priesthood and the Ark of the Covenant some, something like a, a lucky charm. We, we see that Israel is not living into the covenant that they should be with God. We, we see that Saul, who was the first king anointed, well, his decisions were not wise decisions. They were made about his own. We, we even see Samuel in some ways not living into it because as a prophet and priest and judge, even Samuel had concerns about where his sons would fit into the place of power, not necessarily trusting God for the future of his sons. 
and then we see David. And, and Samuel is the one that anoints David as king, and, and we see David that even is one with failure and used his power to petition to pursue his sinful pleasures. And, and so you look at this this chapter, or look at these, these books of First and Second Samuel, and, and we see that God has set up at the beginning a faithful story. And this is about faithfulness to God. This is about giving back what belongs to God. And where are we in that story? Hannah gave her only son. Think about it. We have someone before Hannah that was asked to give his only son, and he goes to sacrifice his son, and God intervenes, but God sees his faithfulness, and you can go into Hebrews chapter 11 and on and see the faithfulness of those patriarchs, and it starts with Abraham who was willing to kill his son because God asked him to. You gave him to me, I will give him back to you. Thank goodness God's plan was that Isaac would be spared. But not Hannah. Hannah gave her son to the Lord. She didn't receive him back. She gave what belonged to the Lord. And this man grew up to be used by Jehovah God's will and purpose. The story is not a story of, oh, God will now fill all barren women who pray that they would have a child. That's not the story. It's not a story to guarantee that every woman that desires a child would have one. It is a miracle, but it's a miracle by God for God's purpose and his will. And the question we have to ask ourselves and our faithfulness in living in this broken world, are we giving everything back to God? To use the Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you did not receive? Or 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God. Glorify God continues in your body or with all that you have. So are we faithful to God in our living with him, giving back to him everything that we have, everything that belongs to you? Your time, your thoughts, your money, your freedom, your hobbies, your talents, your inadequacies, your illness, your dreams, your sexuality, your past, present, your future, your ministry, your pet projects, your feelings, your disappointments, your house, your car, all your possessions, your words, your opinions, your job, your success, your failures your brothers and sisters in Christ, your marriage, your family, and I could go on. Everything, 
Are you giving everything back to God? You remember the song that we just sang before the sermon? Everything, every breath? Is, is your very breath, you, are you giving it back to God for his glory and for his purpose? Are we being faithful in our living to God in this broken world? It's a question that we, we have to ask. Maybe it would be, and I could picture Hannah, and every time she looks at Samuel in her arms as he's nursing, on the forehead it says, belongs to God. What if it was that way with you? You get up tomorrow morning and you look in the mirror and on your forehead, belongs to God. You get in your car and you crank it up and somehow on the dash you see it belongs to God. You get to work and in your cubicle or office or in your home office, you see on your desk, belongs to God. My job belongs to God, yes. You sit across the table with your family and on the forehead of everyone that belongs to you. They belong to God. Would it make a difference if God labeled everything? But he doesn't. But he expects us to know that everything belongs to him. How would it change your world? To live into that perspective, if you believe that perspective is right, that everything belongs to God, and for me to live faithfully, I should offer everything I have back to God. How in the world could we be a Hannah and do that? Does that mean that all of you get all of your children and grandchildren and bring them to the church and just drop them off. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. I would have a really serious problem with that. No, it's not that. That's what Hannah did, but she had made a vow to do that. God is calling us to bring everything to him as he is walking with us daily. Do we bring our worship into this place? Absolutely. You should be worshiping God glorifying him, praising him with all that you have. Hannah sees this label for three years, and then she says to her husband, it's time, it's time to take Samuel to Shiloh. It's time to go to the epicenter of worship. It is time to go to the place where the presence of God is, and we're going to offer our son to God. And we are going to glorify the God of Israel. And they did. And they did. Everything that is ours belongs to God. And we need to ask ourselves, how can I be faithful to God with all I have that his glory might be seen. You see, we are to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And, and so if we are to glorify God with all that we are and all that we have, 
then are we doing that and living faithfully? Let me close this way. So there's another father that gave his son, his only son. And that's our father in heaven. He didn't withhold him. He gave his son for the purpose of redemption of mankind. For all who would come and believe would be reconciled to him. And guess what? Live with him forever. Somebody say amen. Everybody ought to say it. And Jesus saw himself that this was the only way that he would have to give his life so that the Father could see us righteous and whole. We all fail God. I fail God in many ways. But the more that I can remember God's faithfulness to me to reconcile me to himself through his son that he gave his life for me, how precious that is. Because otherwise, I'm still lost and I'm going to hell. But because of Jesus, because of his faithfulness to me, I have life in his name. This is, scripture is always more than just a story, folks. It's more than just a story. This is about God's relationship with us. It's about his call to us. It's about his call to us to live how he wants us to live so that others can see Christ in us. He wants us not only reconciled to him, but to one another. How are we living faithful to God with all that I have so that his glory might be seen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness that you gave your son for us. And we give thanks for that. And, and I pray, Father, that we would be faithful in all things. Maybe there are things that we are holding on to or, or things that are, are so important to us that we just can't let go of them. Maybe it's not a sin, but Father, it's becoming an idol in some way because it's growing more and more important. Father, I pray that we would just throw those things at your feet, that we would realize that everything we have and everything that we own and everything that we are and every breath that we take that it's yours. It's yours. And the more we live into that, Father, the more faithful we will be in this broken world, in being your hands, your feet, 
carrying the gospel to the lost, Father, the more we are faithful, the more you will use us for your will and purpose. Let us glorify you in all that we are and do. And I pray, Father, we will give you thanks. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.